Um, how do we begin? How to begin? How to huh? begin? How to begin? What's this? Uh, oh, so how about clicking? Have we clicked record? You, you okay? Never mind. We did click record. That's, uh, how, that's how to begin. So let me tell you that this is borderline genius. If you ask me, this is just borderline genius. All right, let's color code the runways. All right. Yes, I like that. It's you know? it's um, kind of unique to Deer Valley. Yeah. I mean, they because a they have a lot of rocks. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't work in a lot of other locales. Okay. Although, you know, fate, fate being what it is, we would probably discover that Harrison Ford is colorblind. But... <laughs> oh, that was Hodgson. H-O-D-G. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was just an easy joke. That was too easy. Sorry about that, Harrison. Um, I know he's a listener. And... Uh, but no, this is kind of a clever idea. So uh, this is we got found this from a listener, or not, I don't, uh, yeah, I think he's a listener, but a, a tweet Twitter guy, um, Ryan Ewing, flying high Ryan. Twitter guy. What did I say? You said Twitter guy. Twitter guy. Yeah. I don't know what the okay. Twitter. Guy. He's a Twitter guy. We're all Twitter guys in this day and age. Um, he tweeted. He tweeted. The Phoenix area is one of the most popular regions for flight training. As such, mistakes do happen. Wrong way landings have occurred. Deer Valley Airport, he writes, owned by the city of Phoenix, Arizona, has a unique solution to prevent this: different colored rocks surrounding each runway. So basically, the what what I would think of as being the grass around the runway apparently is gravel out here in Arizona because grass. And grow real real quickly you said wrong way that's not correct wrong runway wrong runway landings oh okay. yeah, yeah 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 okay if i said wrong way that was a mistake yeah. you're absolutely yeah. right yeah it, that was it, corrigan. corrigan different different meaning <laughs> different meaning anyways um so however they've done this and apparently they've done it with colored gravel um, the uh, terrain surrounding the runway and taxiways um, has a distinct color to it. and But I want to know whether ATC, do they say, uh, you know, land on purple runway, purple left? Instead of, you know, instead of landing on, on the green dot at Oshkosh, you land on the red <laughs> red one runway. Sure. Red, I can't I say red one way. Uh, um, at, red at, runway. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. At Dia Valley. Wed one way. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, only one drawback or weakness in it is that being told to land on the colored runway doesn't tell you which way on the colored runway to land. That's true. Uh, true. true. But they could say, let's see, what are, let's just assume that these are 2, 7, and 9. They're probably not exactly that. But, well, let's zoom well, in on would, the picture. It, it, it should cut d- down on the confusion on, gee, is it this piece of strip pavement or that Oh, this is the one surrounded by green. Now, which way on that runway? Yeah, it's, it's 725, by the way. 725? Yeah. So they'll say land on runway 25 purple, you know, or I don't know. Something. <laughs> well, no, they'll say land on runway 25 left. The purple one. Which happens to be purple. Yeah. Yeah. Now that would be an interesting question, Ryan. If you're a listener, um, um, give it. Let's see. You know, does it say anything in the in the in the follow up in the responses here? Let's see. Uh, uh, someone else made my hair. Well, you didn't make a hair for Harrison Ford joke, but there's a lot of colorblind jokes. Uh, oh, there's actually not helpful for blind pilots. That's that's. This is also true. <laughs> well, that's. Yeah, I know. You Both know, of them. Yeah. We are. Up. Oh, sorry. Who went? it? I went. From the flight deck, I see there's a video uh, And here. then there's a problem with deaf pilots because they just don't listen. <laughs> Higdon, H-I-G-D-O-N. Right. That was, right. no. Let's, let's just discard this recording and start all yeah, over again. <laughs> really, really. No, 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 no. All right. So, uh colorizing the runways i you know i, I mean i hadn't thought of that I, I hadn't thought about the uh uh air venture colored dots thing which is, apparently is wildly effective i haven't landed on those runways during those times jeb do you have obviously uh, is it i don't know what's your your reaction to that system as a pilot who's used operated on and off of it um it I works like it. Yeah. I mean, a it works well. I mean, it seems to work well. I haven't landed on the dots that often uh, over the years. Generally, I will get in before the show opens, mm-hmm. and although the dots are there, I'm I'm ATC is not asking me to land on them. Um, generally, okay. there's been a few years that that's been different. That's and, interesting. And, yeah, and I've landed on the dots, but they're easy to spot. And and uh, my my only concern, um in the past mm-hmm. has been when landing on the first dot of the runway, the one I first come to, it's 
knowing that there's a bunch of traffic and knowing that the runway is constantly in use, um, my only concern is getting run over from behind. Right. Right. And and you just kind of, well, I don't know. You, mostly, you do, unless you you've just, got a spotter with you, you've got to have you, faith. You've got to you um, trust in the controller and trust in you're doing it right and trust that there's nobody immediately behind you. Yeah. And, and you also have to follow directions in the, you know, do you roll out full length? Um, do you, do you keep a little power in to keep rolling fast? When do you pull off? And, and those are things that are communicated by flagmen. Um, and it can be communicated by tower, but it's also one of those, all right, you know, flip of a coin thing. Once you got the wheels on the ground. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I, I have memories. I, I think I have a lot of memories though of listening to, uh, ATC at AirVenture, um, where the, uh, on the radio controllers will say, you know, make the first turn off, turn off the grass right away. That when things are particularly busy, they are not quiet about that. Yes. You know, that's, that's correct. Uh, that kind of thing here. My right? only hiccups with this system and, and, and it exists at Sun and Fun now as well. Yes. Uh, on 927, uh, is the, uh, occasional mental gas escape of a pilot who heard it and didn't follow through, uh, land on this dot and roll out long and they land on the wrong dot and stop which has happened to me a couple of times coming back from demo flights. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's in the middle middle of the day. The air show's not started yet. There's regular arrival traffic coming and, and uh, demo flights coming and going. And uh, the guy in front of me decides that he's confused. Was that the green dot or the blue dot? Mm. And he's going to stop and ask a flagman. Hmm. And that's what he did. Okay. Well, that's he, clever. He touched down between the dots, just past the numbers on on nine, and stopped in the middle of the runway and opened up his window. And <laughs> where, of course, the flagman can hear him speaking, no problem, right? Because there's not a lot of noise in that environment. And the, uh, the, the little... The little two-seat plane that uh, happened to be my demo candidate of the day fortunately had really good brakes uh, because we slammed it in and and stopped, stopped okay. just about two feet short of getting into his uh, uh, horizontal and held our breath because we knew that there were two Moonies not too far, not far enough behind right, us. Right. They were supposed to be landing on subsequent dots. Okay. And well, both one, of those guys were sharp enough to go around. Exactly, and that's what I was going to say. Is it is it one thing that that adds to the you know safe margin of safety or whatever in Jeb's concern, fear, you know, of not knowing what's going on behind you, is that the people on final behind you are probably just as nervous about the whole situation um, and are kind of spring-loaded to go around. Uh, 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 one pilot friend of mine one time described the uh, arrival at Oshkosh. One one emotion of the arrival at Oshkosh, he said, was, he said, he says, when you're turning, you know, final and base, uh, or base and final, he said, every pilot bone in your body is screaming, go around. <laughs> and... Uh, so, uh, you know, I mean, there's, you know, the, the controllers are awesome and there's a lot of other, you know, kind of safety factors built in and, um, and it must work because I can't recall situation. You know, we have problems with people having to get down so fast that they kind of botch the landing, land hard, land, whatever. But as far as somebody running into somebody on landing, I can't recall that ever happening. It's happened. It's Has happened. It? Um, especially, um, you know the warbirds and 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 uh, the, those kinds of operations. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure it's happened with just routine arrivals, but I can't tell you a specific. Sure. sure. Yeah, it Anyways. was an incident. I'm sorry, an accident. Uh, oh, years ago, we were all still working for the show daily, and uh, uh, some mustangs were coming in yeah, after a yeah. show display, and. One of them touched down, and the tail wheel hit the ground, and the airplane behind him chewed up everything in the tail. 
Yeah. Because yeah. he landed no, two. No, I kind of. And with the nose up at the landing attitude, your forward visibility is, you know, it kind of begs for a transparent airplane. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, and that was a tragic situation. I remember that one as well. Um, but that was a bit of a special case. That wasn't the scenario we were talking about here with just kind of uh, regular GA pilots arriving. Didn't I just say that? Yeah. Oh, did you? I didn't. You probably did. I wasn't. Li- you think I listen? Come on. Oh, okay. Well, you'll get a, you'll get a chance later. Yeah, I've right. Seen uh, seen people botch the landings during mass arrivals. Uh, seen people botch the uh, landing when it's been forty five degrees to off both runways. Yeah. And gusty, and uh, it's, you know sometimes the, uh, the the gusts are badly timed. Yeah, uh, and then there's a Yahoo who was following me in last year. What was that like? Y'all, y'all were listening oh, to him on yeah. the radio. Oh, Tw- yeah, in, right. In the Twinkie, basically, it, yeah. the, the NOTAM was not in effect yet, so it was normal tower operations. And basically, tower told him to leave the Delta. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah the tower, the controller. And this is after the controller was very understanding for yeah. longer than, than he, he, he might have been. All right. Uh, yeah, and he finally said, you know, he said, turn south, fly for a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what he said. Which That's is basically really, what he said. It was world, words, words to that effect. Yeah, yeah which is got, a really polite version of get the frack out of here. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Uh, and he had been basically on my frequency since Madison or before. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah and he, was he, he was giving pe- other controllers he, trouble? He was a piece of work. Let's just uh-huh. put it that way. Okay. All right. Um, before we move on here, I just wanted to, I wanted to uh, credit where credit is due here. So, uh, Jeb, I was talking about you or your experience arriving um, on the colored dots. Um, and I, I, I recall now there, there was one occasion where I was on board uh, airplane you were piloting when we were arriving in that environment. All right, you know, it was sun and fun. I remember that. Yeah, it was sun and fun. It was probably our first because I think the only time I arrived with you to sun and fun was that first year. So Might have been. Yeah. In any event, the point I want to make here is that so they they assigned you a particular dot for some reason I want to say blue, but whatever color it was, they assigned you a dot and and you flew that debonair in there, man, and you just kissed the ground right on the colored dot i mean no bounce no it was it was a thing to behold it was you kind of know how to fly that airplane jeb it's starting to it's starting i'm starting to figure it out after a few years yeah (laughs) yeah i mean forget the colored dot forget the the you know the ladder you know the the the, uh assigned point on the runway that would have been a beautiful landing under any circumstances the fact that you made it happen on a very particular point on the runway Okay, okay, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Well, thank you. Well, if you if next time you're at Jeb's place, yeah, when you come in the front door and close the front door and look to your right, there's a uh-huh. photograph of Jeb landing at uh, uh, Augusta Municipal. I, I know that picture. Yes, and if you look at his face and his concentration, lean forward, looking over the yoke, looking over the glare shield, he's got his eye on a spot down there where he expects to touch down. But he is focused to the max, and that's the way to do it. Yeah. I didn't even see the guy standing beside the runway taking the picture. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, thanks to Ryan Ewing, uh, Flying High Ryan on Twitter, for calling our attention to the uh, colorized runways. Interesting idea. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing it's not going to take hold many places, but they're doing it in Phoenix. That and uh, kind of reminds me of a story of a thing years yeah. ago i was i was still based at manassas and uh, i'd gone out to the airport to change the airplane's oil which in my mind demands a quick flight yes of course to warm the oil and 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 this kind of, this kind of thing so mm-hmm. i had taken off and flown outside the bravo outside the cipher whatever it was back then and uh turned around and i, I came back and uh there was a cherokee um, ahead of me, um, talking to the tower, and basically we were the only two airplanes on the frequency for some reason. It was just a, a dull day, and uh, basically tower had me fall in behind this guy, number two. He was going to make right traffic for one six right, and I was going to make right traffic for one six left and extend the base a little bit just you know but anyway he was number one i was number two and he gets 
to the point where you would normally turn base and just keeps right on going. And he's headed for Dulles. And okay. uh, and controller, you know, says, um, um, you know, can can we do anything? It looks like you're, you know, you're headed um, almost due north here instead of turning the base. And the guy says, oh, yeah, I uh, I lost uh, sight of the airport. And, I mean, all the guy had to do was look out the right window to see the airport. So he turns, yeah. he, he turns back to the east, southeast, or basically east, and uh, motors on to the east a little bit and finally sees, finally turns a, a, a downwind for the southbound side and motors on past the airport again. And by this time, I'm freaking out. I'm like, the best place to be is behind this guy. Yeah. Okay. Keep him inside. Keep him inside and stay behind him. And I coordinated all this with the tower on the same frequency with this guy. Mm-hmm. And he basically orbited like five mile legs, eight mile legs, the airport. Uh, finally came back around and repeated the the uh, the downwind thing four one six left and right. Although this time he was basically cleared to land on any one six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, again I stayed behind him. Uh-huh. And uh, he finally landed on the long runway. One six left. It's like I don't know how many feet it is, sixty two hundred, something like that. Fifty five hundred and rolled out almost to the end on it. And this is just a Cherokee. And uh, I made traffic for one uh, six right and I, again, just kind of put it in hover mode. Mm-hmm. And I my wheels did not touch until he was on the ground because I wasn't going to do this again. You know, um, right. once I saw him on the ground, I let my wheels touch down. And and, uh, and I basically, Tower told me, just taxi off and hold. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, this is the uh, other guy. T- telling me. Telling, me, telling you. Just taxi yeah. off the runway and hold short. Or, or just hold on the taxiway. I'm like, right. yeah. And... Uh, I watched him taxi around the south end of the airport and then taxi up to some tea hangers on the south end of the airport and, and taxi off in there and disappear. And I was cleared to taxi to, to the east ramp where I parked. And uh, by this time, I was like completely over the idea of doing the oil change. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I secured the airplane and got in the car and drove over the tower and uh, hit the hit the buzzer and said, Hey, um, I was the guy in the debonair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just got to ask y'all going to do anything to that guy or, you know, say anything to him. I said, nah, says, stuff like that happens. And I'm like, <laughs> okie dokie. So, and didn't even uh, get a call the tower. Huh? I went, I, yeah, I didn't even get a call the tower. I went home and started drinking heavily. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So well, yeah. Um, but I remember that one. I bet you do. I bet Man. you do. Well, my first trip in a little Cherokee that we first bought, my first trip to Florida in it was for a general aviation forecast conference in Tampa. And uh, flew down, landed at Peter O'Night, everything cool, was the only person at the conference who actually flew GA to get there. (laughs) Uh, And when the conference was over, I... uh, had been communicating with my middle brother and going to relocate to Orlando Exec close to his house and stay with him and his wife for a couple of days before flying back to Wichita. And I'm on my way over. I got flight following. Uh, you, I'm, you know, talking to the Bravo guys and uh, because there's two of them that you got to deal with going from Tampa to Orlando. And uh, I get about... Eight or nine miles out of uh, Orlando Exec, I got the airport in sight. Controller saying, uh, it's 3 8 November. Would uh, you be comfortable landing fast and long? Uh, yeah, I guess I can. Uh, what's the fastest you can land? I said, well, my top speed's about 130. <laughs> if I put yeah. it in a dive, I think I could probably hit 150. And he says, oh, good. Well, why don't you do? <laughs> oh, good. Why don't, why don't you do that? Because there's a Falcon 50 bearing down on you, and if you don't do that, I'm going to have to send you around. Yeah, I'll do that. And okay. I have never found a better way 
to discover just how out of balance one's tire <laughs> as, yeah. as, as I did touching down at 150 indicated. Uh, did you uh, really? How did you do that, though? I mean, the airplane still wants to fly desperately. Oh, it was a long runway. Uh, I touched down just past the uh, threshold marks, uh, powers at idle, stowed the flaps, let it roll. Did you did you uh, add some nose down so that I can't slow down because he's closing on me that Falcon yeah and he's going to use up almost all that runway so I'm going as far to the end as I can before I turn off I got to the end of the runway turned off and was starting back and damn if he's not turning and on the runway and turning to the taxiway almost right behind me controller says nice job uh you have you practiced that before i said no but i will in the future (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I had something like that when i was still a student um back in the day um i had uh i was flying a 150 and did what to me was just a normal approach in landing um which at the time because of how new i was was probably about 10 knots over the recommended recommendation and i let it roll and and all this kind of stuff by the time i this is like a five thousand foot runway at the time and i didn't hear anybody else on the frequency so i probably used up three thousand feet of the runway um got to, to a, a appropriate speed and did a 180 on the runway to taxi back and I I looked up and my instructor had landed in a 182 behind me and was already taxiing to the ramp and I'm like okay. yeah okay I maybe have a few more things to learn about this <laughs> so yeah. yeah all right well so land on the blue dot or yellow dot or green dot or whatever and uh something to practice anyway, especially if you're going to Oshkosh speaking of Oshkosh so we're all we're all kind of mourning the fact that uh, <laughs> along with great many other um, events and and so forth these days um, AirVenture 2020 has been canceled um, and uh, you know kind of a lot of people trying to figure out what they're going to do with themselves as an aside can you hear all that background noise I hear some something. of it yeah okay so they're uh, <laughs> Out in the front yard of my apartment here, I, I'm on the second floor of this. They're building. mowing the grass, and uh, and I've been trying, you know, and I don't blame it. I have a really good landlord, all right. But yeah, it got quiet. See, um, they heard me complaining. Um, I have a really good landlord, um, but I'm sure it's pandemic related that that he got way behind on getting the grass cut, and and I've been kind of pinging him every now and then, saying, "Could you cut the grass? It's kind of ready. It's time to cut the grass. Cut the grass." Well, of course, he decides to cut the grass while I'm recording the podcast, so. Anyways, uh, revenge is sweetest when it's thank, served cold. Thank you, Ray. Anyways, um, morning aviation events and uh, morning the uh, absence of AirVenture this year. A lot of us are kind of trying to figure out what what to do with ourselves in late July. Um, and uh, some some uh, some good ideas and some bad ideas have arisen here. <laughs> um, a good we're, idea. But we're not going to tell you which they are. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, it's like, well, I, I don't know. It may be obvious. A uh, good idea, at least in my view, is that um, EAA has decided to do a thing um, that uh, uh, I think, I don't know what the official name of it is here. The headline on the page that is related to this is called Bringing EAA Together with Together, together in, in Bright Color. Um, so apparently, I haven't really read too much about this. Have either of you dug into this any? more to no details i haven't dug into the event that uh, eaa is sponsoring i I, um as you as you both know i had some issues this week equipment issues so Mm -hmm. but um i haven't as a a consequence um gotten around to that i but i think it's a grand idea to do something virtual and um if they're smart they'll they'll come up with some kind of of program that would keep people occupied you know during the daytime uh each of the th- seven days that the show would be going on 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. and uh, they can do all kinds of things with that. Um, they can do a virtual hangar walk. They can do a virtual air show. There's all kinds of of, uh, of the stuff, seminars, yada yada. Um, myself, I'm gonna probably be around here. I'm gonna lay in a supply of brats and buns, and probably a few IPAs, and uh, you know, um, sit and look at my air. Sit in a in a camp chair and look at my airplane from from away <laughs> and, and have a broad and, and drink a beer. The brats and buns is an excellent idea. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. I like that. Um, apparently, it's going to be July. It's not, it's f- five days. One twenty one through twenty five. Yeah. One That's, two three four. Yeah. yeah, five days. That's six um, days. No, one, two, three, four, five, 21 through 25. One, two, three. Oh, yeah, you're right. No, okay. Um, dates are tricky like that. Yeah. And uh, EAA Spirit of Aviation Week. Yeah, the, the graph here on their website, we, while we can't gather in Oshkosh, we can still share the Spirit of Aviation. EAA Spirit of Aviation Week from our on July 21 through 25. We'll celebrate the entire aviation community by showcasing the spectrum of flight in a virtual way. Share your favorite aviation experiences on social using hashtag EAA together um, is the tag they're going to use. So that's kind of cool. And, yeah. uh, um, you know, I, I now, yeah, I, and I don't know whether there's any sort of actual flying component to this. I don't know why, but I think I saw someplace. Maybe it was a different group was talking about having local fly-ins. That's yeah, that's that's, that's a borderline bad idea. But um, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it, it could go either way. Yeah. Um, I uh, I don't know. There's a there's a lot of of thoughts that I have. Not all of them are uh, conciliatory. Um, but uh, everybody just. Take it easy, be safe, and, and yeah, and come back around for this next year. I, I, you know, while I'm missing, I'm going to miss AirVenture and miss getting together with all my friends at uh, Camp Bacon and, and all that kind of good stuff. I have to confess that I'm looking forward to a summer where I just hang out at home and enjoy New Hampshire and New England. Unfortunately, I can't enjoy it quite the way I used to because of the of the you know quarantine, which is slowly reducing, but will probably still be somewhat in effect. But the idea of not having to, uh, you know, this is kind of part and parcel of my whole summer because all my work, my day job work is gone too. So this is going to be a real vacation summer for me, I'll tell you. But, uh, you know, there's a component of, of being home that's kind of nice, not having to do all the travel and, mm-hmm. you know, porta potties and, and whatnot. But, yeah, uh, save, save it, some money. The, the whole year has been kind of a double-edged sword on that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah, David, go ahead. Well, you guys know as, as well as anyone that when we're tasked with attending one of these events for whatever reason, whether it's for our day jobs or because we want to go and we're doing UCAP there, uh, that it's not just a matter of packing the bag and locking the door because our day jobs continue to move forward while we're traveling on these trips. So necessitates a little bit of effort, extra effort to get work done before departing so that we're not strapped to a desk while we're at the event, not doing what we want to do, which is being out and roaming around and seeing things, but sitting at the desk like we would if we hadn't left home trying to get that work done. So it it's always kind of a grind getting through the run-up to these things. And then a little bit of a grind on the backside when you start catching up with messages and uh, story ideas and all that stuff. And I'll confess, I've missed all of these. I've missed all the friends that I would have seen at and I've missed the work that I would have picked up from them. Uh, But it's been, like you, it's been kind of nice to have a whole spring and summer here where... I haven't been settled with that requirement of just kick back, keep the rock going up the hill, getting mm-hmm. work done, getting chores done. Uh, and come next year, we'll get back into the into the rhythm. And, and right now, there's only one event left on my usual calendar that uh, I'm unsure of. I haven't heard much about and yeah, I won't discuss here. Uh, but uh, what what month is it supposed to be in? Not even going to say that. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, All right. Not, yeah. I mean, any, if it's if at it's at any rate, if it's before December, don't get any unchangeable airline tickets. That's my view. That's my personal assessment of this yeah. whole situation. Um, so, anyways, well, uh, yeah. So we're missing Air Venture um, now, but. The, the bad idea that I was alluding to, half, not even half, you know, hardly joking at all, because I think it's kind of a poor idea. Um, there's a group of people that are apparently trying to put together some sort of of, uh, of uh, unofficial fly-in to Whitman Field um, during that week, and uh, and this just strikes me as a, a, a poor idea on, on a lot of different levels. You got you, you guys have heard about this, I know. Yeah, they're calling oh, it a protest. Yeah. I don't know what's to be protesting. Yeah, well, you know, everybody's into protests these days. I, I, I mean, on some level, I, I, it's completely under, understandable. It's human nature. I mean, I think the protest component of it, in my view, is that we've got this this virus that, no, you know, like that's the bad guy, and you can't lash out at the bad guy because it's just a virus. And so That's a, not the context, but go ahead. Really? You think yeah. they're protesting EAA? No. And what do you think they're protesting? They're, they're protesting... Oh, they're protesting the government recommendations for... They're, they're uh, protesting shutdown. because that's now in vogue. Well, and, also you know, that. It's, it's yeah. like the old, um, you know, why are you a rebel? And, and uh, oh, you know, what, what are you rebelling against? And the answer is, well, I don't know. What do you got? Yeah, I know. Yeah, okay. Um, we're all, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I I guess I shouldn't shouldn't care. I'm not I'm not trying to put words in anyone's mouth. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my, but well, there's uh, already been some conversations by some of the home built groups uh, about having their own little uh, unofficial Oshkosh reunion by getting a, a group and meeting there. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, maybe go to Artie and Ed's, maybe stay the night, maybe not. Uh, this more recent idea of it there's going to do some kind of protest and get this mass arrival uh kind of ignores the uh reality that the field ain't open for that guys <laughs> uh, right you know all those yeah. facilities Oshkosh and tower all- you know bonanza one two three four five flight of 90 <laughs> yeah, <right>. yeah. Well, <laughs> you know all kidding aside that's my probably my biggest concern about this i mean other than than the bad idea of groups getting together in this day right now um people i think a lot of people tend to think you know it's it's oshkosh it's whitman field they can they handle the biggest crowd of airplanes in the world they can certainly take a big fly-in um they don't not not kind of thinking it through to realize that um it takes a huge amount of effort both on the part of eaa and on on uh, faa to handle the kind of traffic that we see in the summertime and and uh, this kind of a fly-in whether it's con- you know whether you characterize it as a protest or just a, a fun sunday afternoon um because it's a we're all missing air venture could get too big too fast um and uh, and and whitman field is a remarkably quiet little field most of the year yeah, yeah. and uh and it could get hairy pretty quickly and so uh, that's one of the reasons why i think this is a bad idea well, um, the uh some of you may know some of you may not but sonex aircraft is headquartered at Whitman mm-hmm. and has their, I don't know, five or six building campus uh, over on the north side, and, I mean on the east side. And uh, uh, there was some discussion among the Sonex uh, community about having an impromptu reunion by flying up and visiting the factory and, and, and uh, hoping that the uh, Sonex folks would up and offer to have an open house like they do the day before the show starts normally and all of this ignored that hey there's no camping there yeah those thousands of acres of space that are used for camping they're not available for camping right right without special permit that's long the deadline for that passed months ago uh there's no porta potties, uh, no portable showers. Uh, you're limited to parking on the hard stands at Bassler and its satellite uh, ramps. Right. Uh, that's it. Yeah. That's it. And from there, you can certainly walk over to West End Pizza and get yourself a pizza and then go home because yeah. it ain't happening. Yeah. So I, I just think. 
I, I don't know the exact details of what whoever is planning this is planning, but it strikes me as a poor idea. And uh, uh, but the EAA thing, the uh, the EAA together. Uh, look, they even got it's even got its own domain. I just noticed this. It's eaatogether.org. Um, bringing EAA together, and uh, uh, this would be kind of well, fun. Well, and Sun and Fun uh, folks down there have been doing some mm-hmm. alternative to Sun and Fun uh, online stuff in the last yeah. few weeks. And yeah, let's so and let's the, talk about they're, that. They're trying to keep uh, they're trying to keep the uh, the movement alive and mm-hmm. the connections well uh, grounded. And uh, you know. Folks, this is this is a once in a lifetime. We certainly hope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Situation. And, right. Uh, next year, we can, uh, if we're lucky, we can look back and say, "Boy, I remember when," and I'd just as soon forget it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we can buy T-shirts next year. I survived Sun and Fun 2020. Yeah, exactly. You can get those now. Uh, you yeah. can get those now. Yeah, I, I mean, because unfortunately, they're all they've all got the m- merchandise already. So yeah, you can get your twenty twenty. Uh, e- no, 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 no. I want I want one that says "I survived Sun and Fun 2020. I'm sure that'll happen as well. <laughs> I'm sure that'll happen as well. I can well. make Anyways, my own. Never mind. I know, right? Yeah. Before we move on, I want to I want to use my I want to use my my platform here to uh, get something off my chest. This is not a bash at EAA in particular because everybody's doing this, all right? Characterizing this as a virtual event, all right? Uh, showcasing the spectrum of flight in a virtual way, a virtual conference, a virtual... I just think this is a real bad misuse of the word virtual. Everybody's doing it It's because there's, there's nothing virtual. There's very little virtual about this. It's, this is an actual event, all right? Um, it's happening online, but online is just a legitimate place as anything. You see this all the time now. People referring to yeah. their events as virtual, all right? Yeah. And they're not, you know, I mean, I suppose if you were going to call it a virtual fly-in, you know, basically referring to something that's real that's not happening. But um, this is not a virtual event. This is an actual event. It looks like it's going to be cool. It's going to be online. Um, and uh, I, I want to call them on vinyl events. Um, everybody should stop calling these virtual events. These replacement events are not, for the most part, not virtual. They're very real. My, uh, my usual reaction to that word being used in something is that i virtually ignore it yeah, okay <laughs> you almost took the words right out of my mouth okay all right okay yet another misuse of the word but okay uh jeb hey how you doing what have you been up to what's going on with not, you not a whole lot i've been tinkering around the house um weather's great down here right now it's it's hot but very little moisture in the air mm-hmm. uh i'm looking out the window here we are at almost 11 o'clock in the morning and there's still not a cloud in the sky which is almost unheard of for this time of year down here. And uh, just, you know, puttering around in the hangar, uh, laying in the pool, uh, just kind of hanging out. Um, and um, pretty soon I'll have to get, you know, ready to do some real work. But that's okay. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. I know, yeah, I, know. I know. Yeah. On the other hand, they, they're actually, they're, they're not only is there real work, there's real paychecks, which is a real plus. Take my word for it. That's no, a real I, plus. I, I totally understand. Totally, <laughs> so, uh, totally, totally. So, anyways, well, that's that's good. Uh, you know, one of the things I've been watching though is yeah. um, um, starting to see a lot of uh, indicators of upticks in activity since we're mm-hmm. you know talking about the the coronavirus pandemic. Um, I, I don't have any numbers, but all uh, all the media I've been consuming here over the last uh, several days. Is telling me that well, business aviation is starting to see upticks. Um, mm-hmm. um, some of the carriers are taking some of their airplanes out of storage. Um, it's starting to see, you know, Europe and, and other uh, airspace um, starting to see m- many more uh, commercial uh, flights. Uh, it's still not anywhere back close to what it used to be. Mm-mm. Still have a lot of hurdles, um, not least of which is is passenger and consumer confidence, but. Uh, you know, we're we're starting to to bounce back. So everybody, just you know, let's let's just keep your powder dry here and, and let's just let this thing play out. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's uh, uh, Cessna one seventy two, Cessna one seventy two. Um, the bet what is it? The the most common. I don't common's the wrong word, but the most uh, most, most number produced. of airplane airframes in the world, right? Yeah, most yeah. produced civilian airplane. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so forty five thousand built. 
yeah. over the last uh, 65 years. Right. And apparently this, right about now, I don't know the exact date, but this is the 65th anniversary. 65 years ago, the Skyhawk was first introduced. That's, that's uh, and, and that airplane, I, and by the way, that airplane probably is still flying, right? I Didn't didn't Randy used to have one of the oldest, earliest Skyhawks or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I don't oh, know. He called it Methuselah. It had... Back when I first met Randy, which would have been '04, it had ten thousand hours on it. Right. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what the latest is on that because we and obviously aren't. And it wasn't Randy. one of the first Skyhawks either. It was just a high time Skyhawk. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like AOPA did an article uh, in uh, Pilot Magazine about the first. Where where was the first one? Seventy two now. Uh, on the 50th anniversary, so that would have made it what 50, 15 years ago. Yeah, uh, but it's almost impossible to find a pilot in this world who hasn't spent time in a Skyhawk. Oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah, mean, I mean that goes without saying. I, I, and of course, a lot of people learned. I didn't learn in 172. I learned in 150 and 152s. But uh, the first thing I transitioned to after after I my my uh, check ride was to get checked out in a 172 and interestingly i i didn't enjoy the experience um i uh, back then this is literally 25 years ago 20 yeah 25 years ago um after after putting so many hours in a 150 and in my personal bias i liked the lightness of the 150 152 and flying the 172 was just a big heavy airplane and and i just didn't enjoy it. Never felt. Com- didn't in those early days feel comfortable in it. Um, so you're, you're you're not going to be signing up for a two hundred six. No, no, I'm not. Well, I mean, the story gets actually more interesting than that because um, so when I decided I wasn't going to fly the 172 for some reason, and you guys are going to give me a hard time with this because I'm so strident about high wing, but I got checked out in the Archer in a in a in a Piper Archer. Really. Yeah, and and uh, my larger airplane, if you will, larger airplane um, time back then was in an Archer, um, and and I flew a fair amount in an Archer. Um, a lot of the traveling I did when I, this is again back when I was living in California. Um, so I've got a fair amount of time in the Archer, and I and I and it was heavy too. There's no question it was a heavier airplane than than the 150s and 152s. But for some reason, it felt okay to me. I, I just you know it was like I don't know whether. I don't know why, but uh, uh, for years that's what I flew. I flew uh, I, I flew Cherokees basically, um, and uh, and then I had my big layoff from flying. And uh, when I first returned to flying, I went back to one fifties and one fifty twos. Then had another layoff. Long story short, um, it was it was watching my friend uh, and hearing the stories from my friend one seventy two Drew, um, and how how joyous he was about owning and flying his one seventy two, and and all of the incredible um, productivity and and you know value he was getting out of his one seventy two. It kind of like I go, wow, that's a pretty cool airplane. And so when I returned <laughs> to flight last fall. I said I, there was no question that I was just going to go, and you know the FBO that I had been flying out of, that I was my first choice, has a, a small fleet, has four four different uh, 172s or SPs, I guess they call them, and uh, they and call so that, them. They're both. You're both. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, and so I went back and, and got checked out in in one of those um, and flew, and there's actually three that I got checked out because one of them has a, a Garmin 1000 in it, um, and I didn't get checked out in that one. But the the more traditional steam gauge-ish ones I got checked out in and, and did some flying back before the first of the year. Then winter and work struck, and then pandemic struck, and I haven't flown in a while. But uh, I, but my experience back then in the 172 very different than my experience 25 years ago. Um, although I, you know, clearly the 172 is a heavier, you know, heavier airplane, uh, more of a handful, if you will. Um, it, it didn't. It didn't bother me the way it did 25 years ago. It's and all relative. I guess so. And and so I enjoyed I enjoyed flying the 172. And uh, um, ironically, I could return to it now. Finally, all of the all of the barriers, all of the pandemic pandemic barriers to me going back and flying, have been removed. Now I just have to decide that I'm courageous enough to take the risk. You know, not the flying risk, the the virus risk. Yeah. Um, I, I just sent you all a link to uh, an image of. Uh, <clears throat> November 5000 Alpha. Yeah. Which that? is the first commercial built or, or production, I should say, first production Cessna 172. Uh, it, back three years ago, it was still going strong. It was photographed at Oshkosh. 
Um, manufacturer serial number is 28000. <laughs> Very That's cool. That's great. Yeah. And really pretty paint job. Really pretty airplane. It is nice. Yeah. It is nice. Yeah. And it's got, uh, I like that. I, I'm not a big fan of the, what, uh, is that what they call the straight tail? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the straight tail. I like the sl- the, the more sleek angle. Well, it's, you like it's the straight, straight tail and a fastback. Um, the fastback's cool. Um, <clears throat> well, there's, big... there's three basic configurations for the 172. Yeah. There's the original configuration with, with uh, the uh, turtle deck or whatever you want to call it. Um, um, just a tapered uh, tail from the uh, trailing edges of the wing back to the, the vertical. I mean, yeah, to the uh, vertical stabilizer. Uh, the vertical stabilizer itself is not tapered. It's not. It's not uh, slanted at all. It's just a straight, uh, almost a straight up and down thing. Not not like a Mooney, but you know, it's got some you know some curve to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's the the uh, fastback. I guess you could call it the fastback 172 with the slanted tail. Mm-hmm. Which was, I think, the 172B was the first of that, and then I don't know, maybe around the the uh, D or the E or, or something like that, they did away with the fastback design and came up with the Omnivision design, which had the the back window, the, the, uh, basically the fuselage tapered downward sh- more sharply after the wing, and then there was a a, a literal tail cone that sure. went aft from there. Yeah. Uh, so those those three basic configurations, and the last one's been. Pretty Pretty much standard since then, right? And Omnivision that that rear facing window that's so that you can keep an eye on the guys that are right behind you on final. <laughs> Some <and> final <laughs> well, and when you're flying a 172, they're not going to be behind you for long. <laughs> you know, they're going to be right up to you. No, they're going to they're going to pass you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, another thing I like about the design of this particular airplane is the no wheel pants. I I, I personally don't like wheel pants. I, the look. I mean, I get that there's a product, there's a performance thing, um, but uh, I always have preferred the look of uh, of. Uh, I mean, we're talking fixed gear, of course, um, of the no wheel pants. Show reason. me quickly. Show me uh, retractable gear playing with wheel pants. Well, that's um, – but, yeah, okay. All right. I, I, a distinction without a difference, I guess. Yeah. Or Okay. All right. Anyways, 172, congratulations. Yeah. Happy 65th. Uh, ready to collect. I just made that connection. It's like Medicare time. Um, but uh, at least for the first one. Uh, yeah. So. Anyways, forty five thousand airplanes. Um, it's Amazing, a, isn't it? It's yeah. pretty cool. It's pretty cool. David, yeah. you, you've got time in one seventy twos, I'm sure, right? Uh, yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, uh, uh, and and a lot of it sitting uh, with the uh, right seat reversed, looking backward out the, uh, the starboard window, mm-hmm. using them for photo platforms. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, 150s and 152s and 172s. I've logged more than my share of time in them. Nice airplanes, all of them. I started with a Cherokee because I decided early on that I would rather have my shins scarred than my forehead. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, you can tell the, the sign of a of a a new pilot he's got the the waffle imprints in his forehead from the running into the trailing edge of the 150 i've done that yep. raise my hand I, I, I've, I've done that. I've, yep. i'm raising my hand i've done that too yeah anyways all right cool the participants on this podcast are appearing as private individuals their comments don't reflect the views of the various organizations they work with also, anything, 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 absolutely anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously, obviously, very general in intention. You should remember your training, consider your situation, and fly the aircraft. But you knew that. Jack, what have you been doing? Uh, I'm just living the pandemic lifestyle here. I, I mean, just like everybody else. I'm living la vida loca. La vida loca, I guess, right? Is that is that Latin for... La vida loca is uh, wildlife in Spanish. Yeah, I know. No, I know. Okay. Um, Except uh, in Jack's case, it would be living la vida loco. 
Okay. Well, I mean, in my case, we need to do it not in Spanish, but in Italian. But that's another story altogether. Uh, I'm having, I mean, I, you know, I mean, other than not making any money, I'm, I'm doing just fine. I'm hanging out here. I, uh, I, uh, so I just started a new fitness thing. Um, this goes back pre pre pandemic. Um, is uh, I embraced the walking lifestyle. I discovered that. Uh, that be, very, and, and, be very careful when you say that. Really? Just, Why? Just, what, what it, it could be misconstrued. You could miss a syllable. Just, just be very careful. When okay. You say all right. That. In any event, um, I, I've, you know, as I got older, I'm kind of struggling with maintaining my fitness and trying to figure out how to lose some weight. And uh, and I've tried a lot of things over the years. And back back on just before the first of the year, for some reason, um, I kind of started to embrace this whole ten thousand steps thing. All right, the idea of getting ten thousand steps every day, and that turned into just simply a walking thing, which. Not only was great exercise for me, but I actually enjoyed it. I, I really, really enjoyed the walking, and as a result, I've, I've been walking, um, you know, basically every day ever since then, and I love it. And it's it's both good for my body and it's good for my mind, and it's just good. Um, but here's the interesting offshoot of it. So when I was younger, I was a runner. I used to run, you know, not crazy, not like marathons and not even like 10ks, but I was a pretty good runner for fitness um, way back in the day. And in recent years, I've tried to resume a running program, and I invariably injure myself because I'm just not in good enough shape and my body's a little bit older than the rest of me or I don't know what that, you know, something like that. Um, but after having walked every day for six months, I felt like I was in pretty good shape um, and I decided to give running another try. And uh, this is a long, by, you know, a long way of saying that I just recently, like a week ago, started a new running program that I'm really enjoying. I have to tell you that, I mean, I'm going very, I'm being very careful, very short distances, very slow paces. Um, but uh, that's a big thing that's for me right now is that I've just, I've just returned to running and so far so good, knock on wood. That's very cool. Yeah. All the weight that you're losing and whatnot. Yeah. If you're looking for it, I think I know where it all is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Having said that, I, and I had done pretty good losing weight up until the beginning of the pandemic. Like so many of us, uh, I've gained back not all of it, not 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 even like nearly all of it, but I more than I'm happy with. I've gained back since the beginning of the pandemic because man, it's easy to eat junky comfort food um, when you're trying to, you know. So, anyways, so that's the thing. I'm just kind of doing that, and 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 you know, keeping in touch with my events friends, and kind of hoping for the end of this thing, so that we can all go back to work and and do stuff. Um, so, Jack, and, I yeah? hear through the grapevine that there's some changes coming to UCAP. <laughs> there are, as a matter of fact, David. Where'd you hear that? Um, His grapevine yeah, is just as good as mine. Starting in June, starting with the passage of uh, the uh, episode 499 threshold, um, we're kind of making some changes here. We're doing, uh, and, and two of the most notable changes that people have uh, maybe have noticed or will notice. Um, first of all, uh, you know, back or by popular demand. And I like be careful what you wish for, folks, listeners, because here you go. Um, for years. We used to do weekly episodes. We used to do an, an episode of Uncontrolled Airspace basically every week. And uh, about, I don't know, when did we stop? Two, episode 200, episode 300, something like that. Um, we just kind of didn't want to quit, but we didn't want to do that that rate. And so we, we Well, and we all got busier. Yeah. And so we fell back to doing doing um, every two weeks. We basically, and since then, we've been pretty, pretty uh, uh, reliable, pretty uh, um, um, consistent. consistent, thank you, um, at doing two episodes every month, more during the Oshkosh and Sun and Fun months, but basically two a month. Um, but, you know, listeners keep saying, do more, do more. And I think we kind of wanted to do more. It's just we're trying to figure out how to do more, but not have it be too much of a burden. Um, so we come up with a plan that has to do with a bit of a change to the structure of the podcast. And uh, as a result, we're going to like put a toe in the water here. And we're going to now, as of just starting with here in June, we're going to do three episodes per month. That's the goal. We are? Yeah, we are. That's the goal, all right? Um, So we're doing – and sort of the rough schedule is that a new episode will appear on the 10th, the 20th, and the 30th of every month. And David's going to ask Except about February. February. Yeah, I knew he was going to ask about February. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'll let you know when that comes around. We're still doing three a month, and February comes, I don't know. You know. Are we going to do the wine club yet? 
Uh, the, that's that's coming up soon too. Okay. We've got all kinds of plans. So uh, we we uh, we do three months. Um, the other change we've made here, and uh, people who are Patreon supporters have already gotten a notification about this. Um, for a bunch of different reasons, we've decided to change. So we've been having people support us in Patreon on a per episode basis. So every time we did an episode, um, their their pledge got activated and we got money um, from them, and that was great, and we loved it. But um, the per episode thing. We sort of want to. We think maybe that's not the best way to do it. Um, And the other way of doing Patreon is to have a fixed donation per month plan. And so we've decided to change to that to make it a little simpler, a little bit more predictable, a little bit you know, um, you know, easier for people to understand. So if you've been thinking about helping us through Patreon, and we and you know, you don't have to, but we'd love it if you would. uh, You now don't have to think about how many episodes they do or how many do I get per month. It's just a flat thing. You can pick a number, whatever dollar amount, um, from a dollar a month on up, and uh, and uh, and and support us that way. And it would be great. Um, it really helps. It helps us with our online charges. It helps us with uh, um, various expenses that we have throughout the uh, through the month in terms of uh, um, um, uh, software that we need to produce the podcast. Um, it also helps us during the uh, when we do have fly-ins to go to. Um, it helps us with uh, with uh, uh, offsetting some of those expenses as well. So uh, please, please consider uh, becoming a patron patron of the podcast by going to uh, Patreon.com/slash/uncontrolledairspace. My phone's ringing. I don't know if you can hear it in the distance. It's way on the other side of the room, though. I can't get to it to make it. Th- there we go. It stopped. Uh, all right, that's that. Uh, we're kind of running out of our allotted time here. Where are we here? Uh, the f- favorite air shows, favorite fly-ins. Um, since we can't go, let's just think about what they are. Let's just really torture ourselves by thinking about our favorite uh, uh, air shows and podcasts. Um, so, yeah, this is one of USA Today's uh, frequent uh, reader choice things. Uh, oh, really? For uh, the it, 10 best... They've got the ten best shows that you can vote for. It's actually well, I think there's quite, nine, quite a variety here. There's actually nineteen choices, I believe. Yeah, um, and uh, they're looking for the top ten. Yeah, and uh, so I was looking at it this morning. Um, I'm not going to say which one I picked. So a lot, of, you know, I thought this was going to be like Oshkosh. You know, uh, uh, Oshkosh, Sun and Fun, and I don't know what else. All right, um, there's a lot of sort of I don't want you to call them local or regional. Big shows, you know, um, Arctic Thunder uh, in uh, in Anchorage, Alaska, for example. Um, oh, and look at the picture of the Cleveland National Air Show. That's that's, that's a mob. Now, that's one that really jumped out. I'm not going to try and list every single one of these because there's, there's, there's 19 of them on the list here. But that's one that jumped out at me. I mean, I was looking at this list going, you know, I haven't been to hardly any of these. Obviously, I've been to Oshkosh and to Sun and Fun and Reno Air Races is on here. Um, and uh, But... Uh, but the uh, the one that kind of jumped out at me was this Cleveland one. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, uh, the, the picture is very impressive. There's a lot of people on this taxiway runway. Um, and so that looks interesting. My first thought was, yeah, well, that makes sense, Cleveland, because Ohio is surprisingly big aviation state, the home of Dayton. And Well, and there used to be air races at Cleveland. Oh, that's right. Time. I forgot about the and, and yeah, weren't right. the weren't the Wright brothers, you know, from, from Ohio? Well, that's what I mean, Dayton, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, uh, um, and, and uh, Ohio is the home of of what is and I've been to it but I'm told is one of the best aviation museums um, in the country um, at uh, Wright-Patterson yeah the, the Air Force Museum yeah, and so I'm told that that's a great museum. So I was thinking, yeah, Cleveland makes a lot of sense. And then I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, Cleveland's a completely different part of the state than these other things. But I guess Ohio, I don't know. I'm from, I'm from New England. Ohio, it's just all one thing. It's all they're all close together, right? It's Ohio's. It's no, just across know. the Appalachians. It's, yeah, you know, right. It's yeah, just you just take the, I, that old New Yorker map, I and and modify a little bit from where you start, and you're there. I spend two hours a two hours a year twice. I spend two hours in Ohio twice every year on my way to Oshkosh and on my way back from Oshkosh. <laughs> so, uh, no, all kidding aside, um, that looks like a cool fly-in. Uh, any of the other two hours to drive through Ohio? Uh, it's, I, I, I like that. It's not. It's as the states go. It's it's not one of the bigger ones. And I mean, we're talking about. Uh, the portion of Ohio that in Interstate 80 passes through. Um, and so now you're going to make me look it up. Uh, while I'm looking it up, tell me what other uh, uh, air shows here jump out at you guys. Have you been to any of these? 
Well, Oshkosh and Southern Fun. Um, yeah, but uh, the other one. Yeah. <clears throat> I've not been to Reno. Um, some of these. One of the tricks here, t- I think I've been to Oceana. I'm not sure. One of the tricks here is that uh, not all of these are fly-ins. Right. I, I, that is true. They're, they're air shows. But I think that's what the, isn't that what this thing is called? It's called air shows and fly-ins? What's the title of it? Best air show is what, uh, what I'm seeing. Yeah. Oh, you're right. They're simply calling them air shows. So there you go. All right. So they're, they're, they're not fly-ins. They're air shows. Um, but, uh, yeah. But a lot of them you can fly into. Uh, well, um, possibly. Possibly. I'm not convinced of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, you could fly certainly to the general area and, and rent a car. I'm not sure you can land at the airport. Certainly can't do it while there's uh, uh, aerobatics going on because the air boss won't let you. Well, you're probably going to have trouble get, trying to land at Miramar. Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. Naval Air Station, yeah. Oceana. Yeah. But some of these, like you can fly into Reno, uh, you just need the NOTAM. Yep. Where have we heard that before? Yeah, yeah really. Did, which one? Pick one you want to go to that you've never been to. Uh, Cleveland. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to check out Cleveland just because I have the the old Cleveland Air Races vibe thing going on. Um, kind of kind of makes you wish that there was a Cleveland Air Races again. But um, you know, the mm-hmm. other thing going on here is. You know, yeah. this, this yeah. the great aviation publication, USA Today, uh, <laughs> the well-respected uh, uh, aviation publication. Um, all of these pictures of these various air shows are showing either uh, current military or, or warbird uh, uh, aircraft. And that's all well and good. There's a guy in a parachute uh, at Sun and Fun, which is, in, I guess that's really the exception to the rule. Even the Oshkosh. Uh, is showing, um, I guess that's a, an F-22. Um, but um, there's more to air shows than military aircraft. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. So anyways, it's an interesting list. Put a link in the show notes if anybody wants to. The voting goes on until, I believe, the 19th of the month. Um, and so uh, so uh, well, you can see. Wait a second. I this thought that's said, what it said. Uh, it said... Uh, there are... I saw a clock here somewhere. Yeah, you're right. I did, too. Where'd it go? Oh, you know what? It's if you vote, I think. Well, that doesn't make sense. The photographs that they've got in this uh, listing for uh, Naval Air Station Oceana Air Show in Virginia Beach just jumps out at me as a scene from a sci-fi movie where the aliens are invading the Earth. (laughs) All those tomcats with their wings swept by. Mm -hmm. It's like, what? Boy, what a lot of darts. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, did you find July it July six? Oh, you got a, plenty of time to finish yeah, the voting. Okay, all right. Well, there, July seventeenth. Take a look. Um, 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 I, you know, I voted, and uh, I know what I voted for. I won't tell you, but I, I voted for my favorite, and uh, you guys can vote for yours too. Uh, moving on, we we're at the end of our new allotted, newly allotted time. Is like, like zoomed on past here, but let's, uh, David, what have you been up to? What's going on? Uh, doing my usual uh, four or five stories a month uh, here lately. They uh, got a piece in this month's the June uh, avionics news on alternatively approved avionics and how uh, a new path to uh, getting a, a new avionics in your panel has helped bring down prices and increase the choices and. Uh, uh, that, that that story was actually something that I started following, I think, about four years ago when it first started to happen. And it's just gotten better and more uh, and the product availability with more depth in, in the years since. So mm-hmm. that'd be in the June uh, uh, avionics news. Cool. Cool. Yeah, we'll look for that. We'll look for that. Um Interesting milestone just happened in the world of aviation. I believe this is the first. Now, this is not in the U.S. This is in Europe. But the European equivalent of what? FAA um, has certificated an electric airplane. Um, 
which uh, this is the uh, the pipistrel, which we've talked about on the podcast in the past, uh-huh. and and our our good buddy Brad has um, been a been a cheerleader for it for some time now, um, and apparently so. Jeb, do you know more? I don't know why. I, Jeb, I, I don't know anything know. more about it other than. Uh, but do you know the uh, nature of this certification? This is the is this the equivalent of a U.S. Aircraft, you know, it would be uh, with reciprocity between the two countries, or I should oh. say, the two agencies. Never occurred uh, to me there might be reciprocity. Is there? Is that the way well, it works? Well, I mean, if if the aircraft flew in the U.S., it would be legal as long as it was registered outside the, the U.S. Let's put it that way. Huh? You can you can fly because of reciprocity, because of of uh, um, certification rules, uh, mm-hmm. internationally agreed standards. I will say internationally agreed standard. Internationally agreed um, courtesies. Right. Um, you can fly in the U.S. a European registered aircraft, um, even though the aircraft is not certificated in the U.S. Oh, that's pretty cool. I had just that as had... you can fly in Europe a an in registered aircraft, even though the aircraft is not certificated in but, Europe. But wait, is it? Uh, hmm. Okay, I, I'm sure you know more about this than I do. But let me give you an example. Let me give you a for instance here. Okay. okay? So if there's reciprocity, does that mean I can take my U.S. Um, um, ultralight and fly it in Europe? Because they don't have the same ultralight rules, right? They have a very different kind. I'm of... not sure about that. David, do you know? They they have a they call them micro lights over there. Yeah, and they're very close to uh, uh, our okay. standard for LSAs because it, micro lights in Europe and England uh, are allowed to be two place. I think six hundred kilograms is the maximum uh, takeoff weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, which works out to about thirteen hundred twenty pounds, as I recall. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, all right. Well. Regardless of whether, the, and I, I believe you, I guess it probably, there probably is certain. Uh, Basically, I think the, the answer is yes, as long as it's registered in, in a, a country that allows that operation. Yeah. yeah. And in any event, this is a great step forward. I, I'm just a big believer in electric power and yeah. electric, and, and uh, um, this is a great step forward. And I think to me, it means it's just a matter of time before one of these things, maybe this one, gets cert- certified, certificated in the U.S. Um, this is called the Pipistrel Velis Electro. Vel- yeah, and, and it's possible that it's pronounced Velis. It's possible because, yeah, they, they do it differently. Because they yeah. they have funny – they have, you know, I mean, yeah, because this is uh, – oh, this is terrible that I don't know what country we're talking about here. Um, hang on. Slovenia. Slovenia. Um, they just, you know, they, they've named their airplanes with words that we think in the United States we know how to pronounce, but they pronounce them differently. Yes. Yes. Um, in any event, the Velis or Velis, or, um, it, it, it looks like a fun little airplane, and, and it's electric, all electric. So cool, very how, cool. How do you do the run-up? <laughs> That's the, there you go. How do you do the run-up? I probably don't need a run Well, there probably is a run-up of some sort because you, I don't know whether it's there's got some kind of pre-takeoff or, check. You know, well, I'm sure. Even if it's only setting the trim. Yeah, I'm sure there's a pre-check, pre-takeoff check. I just don't know whether you have to run up the engine. Well, Maybe that, you do. That's one airplane where you can uh, leave your CO2 detector at home. Well, yeah. And, yeah. and okay, so. Or, I'm sorry, carbon monoxide detector. Yeah, so you're. Number two in 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 the, in the conga line to take off. Yeah, and you you stop on the taxiway and wait for the preceding traffic to take off. Do you turn off the motor? Uh, I think yep. you probably do. Quite now, you're kind of. I don't know if maybe you're joking, but I think I, I'm. You do. I'm kind of quasi joking. I'm kind of quasi. I don't know. It does well, beg the question of whether there's any sort of Hobbs meter, how that might work. I mean, how, well, do, you, how do you measure time on this aircraft? Based on the electric airplane demonstrations witnessed at Oshkosh. Yeah. When you pull the throttle back to stop, yeah, the motor stops. It stops. It just yeah. stops. There's yeah. no I ground mean, idle position, for example. Right. Uh, no, because and, there's no such thing Which as is good because then it's not using juice. Right. Exactly. Not using battery, exactly. Uh, yeah, so. And the instant you move the throttle forward a little, lift, lift your feet off the brake, the motor comes back, and you're off and running. This, yeah. this is a great application also for all-electric air conditioning. <laughs> Okay, but I, right. I I was well, actually expecting uh, the George yeah. Bly's airplane out in Colorado to get the uh, yeah David uh, you're drifting honor. away don't go away I said uh, I was expecting George Bly's outfit out in Colorado to get the 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 laurel for being the first certified but uh, 
Pipistrelle, they've they've been a a happening little outfit the last few years, and they pulled it off. Congrats to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Anyways, hey, uh, end of our allotted time here. Um, uh, Thank you, guys. It's always fun to uh, get together and chat with you. And uh, David, was there something you wanted to tell us? Well, to, if you want to live to be old enough to see real electric airliners coming along, go fly because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. But you knew that. Bye bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go fly and and remember Rex Kramer's recommendations. Flying a plane is no different from riding a bicycle. It's just a lot harder to keep the bas- baseball cards in the spokes. <laughs> <laughs>